This is the Enneagram 8 Podcast, and we're here to take you inside the armor. We figured it was high time we give a panel episode a try, and so we gathered together five SX8s to see where we all agree and where we differ. As you'd expect, there is a lot more overlap than there isn't. And where we disagree, we disagree quite comfortably. What came through really loud and clear is how much a difference it makes, what your blind spot is. So three of us were SX8 with a self-preservation blind spot, and then two of us were SX8s with social other blind spot. And time and time again, our differences usually landed along those lines. So like we've said before, the order really does matter. We all had different qualities of audio, and so it's pretty patchy, but we hope you get a lot out of this either way. All right, so welcome to our Enneagram 8 sexual panel. So if you guys could each just give us a really quick intro to who you, like your name, where you live in the world, your tri-type and your instinct stacking, and then adjectives to describe your instinct, and then we'll go from there. Hi, I'm Katie. I am living right now in Beller, Maryland, which is a little, which is just a little north of Baltimore, Maryland, in the U.S., obviously. I am an 852, and then my stacking is SX, SO, SE, infatuated, calculating, single focus. I am Kate Brennan. I live in Rochester, New York, but on the process of moving back to England. My tri-type is 827 or 872, depending who you're talking to. I am SX first, then SO, then SP last. Three adjectives to to describe my instinct. So I would say magnetic people are drawn to me charismatic and I I was a bit stuck on the last one like reactionary like I react to whatever I'm feeling in the space at the time just reactionary in general really but hi I'm in the South Island of New Zealand across the other side of the world and we're coming into winter (laughs) here as you guys move into summer I'm very much 874 I'm eight wings, seven, and sexual first and then social. Self-praise very much last, like if there's any. (laughs) I would describe myself as being really intense, (laughs) really impatient, but very much 150% person, like anything. Like I do it 150% and I expect the same sort of energy in return. So yeah, I'm Bonnie. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm getting my PhD in mechanical engineering. I'm almost done. My tri-type is 852, and I'm real certain about that. And I'm SX, SP, and then SO. Adjectives? I'm hardcore. (laughs) And then I like the adjectives that you guys are saying, like charismatic and magnetic, but it's also, I'm going to say polarizing, actually, instead, because I can go either direction if I want. Joe, Ottawa, Canada, 847, SX, SP, with social last. I said vortex. (laughs) And when it's really rough and I hate it, I'm obsessed. All right. When you guys go into a party full of people, you know, some people you don't know, what is the first thing you do and how do you spend your time there? Katie. Um, If I'm going to a party, it's definitely, I know the host. Otherwise I'm not going to some random party. And if, when I walk in, I'm going to find the host and see if I can be useful and help them in some way. I keep myself busy. And then if that, you know, putters out, I would, 
find a group that I know or a person and kind of hunker down. Or if I'm like feeling like not really interested in anybody, I'll just kind of chill and observe and try not to be too antisocial. But or I can be the life of the party. It just depends on, you know, what's going on. But what is your ideal scenario at that party? If you were to plan it and and walk into it in the way that you would be the happiest leaving, what would that look like? For me to be the happiest, I would have planned it and I would be there for a reason. And then with that reason, I can then go find the people I want to talk to. I, I can get the group going in the same direction and just have like have a good time. But if I'm not in charge, like that's not ideal. All right, Kate. I walk into a party, I quickly become the center of attention and become an entertainer. And then if I love the people, it's just, we just have a riot. If I don't really enjoy the people, I just start to regret becoming the center of attention immediately. (laughs) And I might like go and see if I can find the house, help in the kitchen, do whatever I can. But yeah, usually I'm like the big joker in the room. Jackie. I think when I turn up, it feels like the party's actually started. <laughs> it sounds really arrogant. But I think when I come into a room, it's almost like just what I'm wearing or the energy coming off me will instantly attract some people and not others. And I will find really quickly there's like a little vibe of something interesting happening and that will be where I am. And if there's nothing interesting happening, then probably a bit like, hey, it's like, well, I can do that, but I won't be able to like hold on to it for the whole night. I'll really quickly sort of draw into my shell if that energy isn't coming back. For me, it's all that energy. And I find if I'm around a bunch of people and especially friends, I'll say something just to kind of test the water, (laughs) just see, you know, how everyone's feeling and what the general vibe is. And really quickly... I find I can decide if, you know, I want to stay with this little cluster of people or if I want to go and make my own little cluster of people. And I tend to find I get followed around at parties by little clumps of people. (laughs) Sometimes I have to shake them off at the end of the evening. Not like Jackie. I don't think I attract a little cluster. I am like a stealthy hunter. I'll like slide on in and preferably the party will be low light with twinkle lights. I'll find the energy and... I would be happy to stay with that one person the whole night if they're interesting enough. If they're not, I will disengage and I'm really good at disengaging. Like I find I have a superpower for disengaging well, probably because I am desperate for something interesting. So I'm constantly disengaging boring people. And then I will like roam around until I find the next target. That's me at a party. Yeah, I'm glad you went. I totally relate to that. So I think it's funny that Joe is calling herself a hunter because like a week ago, someone called me an apex predator and I've been like really vibing with that title. (laughs) I would say at a party, I really have like two different personas that I might bring and I don't actually know what it depends on. I'll either, I have an amazing outfit and I look fucking stellar, not like this. I'll just be like telling jokes and like making fun of people and just like kind of like vibing and setting the tone. And I'm really loud. I tend to be loud. Or if it's a party where I'm like maybe a little bit jaded about it, I will be almost the opposite where I'll like roll up, draw like no attention to myself, probably make some like sarcastic jokes to people that like they don't they don't get it. And I just think it's funny. And then I'll find like one person. And I like to find like a really quiet person, typically, like I like to find someone who's 
fading into the background or something. And then I usually say something interesting to them. <laughs> and then, yeah, if they're boring, I'll bail. But otherwise, if they're interesting enough, I could just talk to them until like 4 a.m. So it's interesting that you, Bonnie and Joe, have the same, like you kind of relate to the same thing because you guys have the social last, right? The rest of you all have social second. It just shows that it, it does matter <laughs> how you access it. So do you feel hot, warm, or cold and open, guarded, or closed? Hot and open. <laughs> I can be any of those things. I can be really cold and guarded if someone's pissed me off. I think generally now I'm in a healthier place and, and as like a mom with two kids at the park, I'm like warm and open. I think historically I've been like either hot or cold. So I'm not, I, I'm not totally sure how I'm perceived. The fact that loads of people want to be my pal makes me think I'm warm and open, but I know I can come off really closed and cold if something's like a little bit off with me. I know that's the energy I give out really strong. So what? <laughs> and then if there's someone that really catches my attention or they're giving me the energy back, it's kind of like extra hot. It's kind of like, you know, the, you're sort of sitting in this little sauna and find with people that are frustrating me or, you know, not really bringing the vibe, I'll, I can get quite cold. It will be quite quick. And the other person will be like, hey, what, what's going on there? <laughs> it's obviously quite noticeable from the outside. I have to try really hard at work to dial that in. <laughs> I'm all three. And the way that I think that it is, is like, I think the people that like, know me really well, and that like live in my like space more metaphorically than literally think I'm warm, because they just interact with me all the time. And it's just like, my base state is warm, but I can be real, real cold. It's not often that I really hate someone. But if I do, you know it. Then also, like, if you get me going about something that's, like, I'm really passionate about, or if I just think you're, like, a deeply interesting person, probably I feel really hot. That can last for as long as I think you're interesting, or if we're talking about something I'm really passionate about, that I'll just be hot. So it's kind of situational. What we're hearing is the extremes. That is our instinct is extreme. The way I see it is when I'm hunting, I'm hot. I am like going after something. I almost am like shaking with intensity. And then I think when I'm secure, like when I'm with my most happy people, they see me as warm. So they like say I'm like warm sweater kind of thing. And then if I've been hurt, I snap shut so hard and that's cold. My mom used to do that. She was uh, an eight as well. And I, I know what it feels like <laughs> from the outside. So then same thing. I'm open in new situations. By that, I mean like the unexpected. So stranger on the street or whatever. I am like a puppy. I am so open and I almost forget about times before when it went bad. It's maybe my seven. I'm just like wide open to the new thing. But in an old situation where I've been stung, but it's like not an awful situation. That's where I'm the guarded. And then I would say I'm not a closed person in general, but I am closed in the middle of very acute pain. So like the other day, I was hurting like full body emotionally. And my husband being an empath said it felt like there's a huge wall up. So I would say that's the only time I'm closed. Like I have this weird ability to forget about what happened yesterday, usually. So it has to be in the moment that I close up. But I would not say I'm a closed person. 
I think in general, eights do go cold when we're hurt or want to retreat from something, right? We do. Do you think it's um, safe to say that when you are using your sexual instinct, you would use that time to describe yourselves as being hot? I would just say when my radar's actively like, I'm doing that transmitter thing that we're going to talk about. And when I've caught my person that I'm interested in, I feel the heat, you know, and they do too. (laughs) I've thought about this a lot because you guys called me out for being guarded and I'm still conflicted on it, honestly, because you have to define like what is guarded. And I am the kind of person, like I'll be like really brutally honest about pretty much everything about myself with kind of anyone. But to me, that doesn't feel vulnerable, you know, and like people think I'm being vulnerable, which is interesting. But to me, it doesn't feel vulnerable. Does that mean I'm always guarded? (laughs) I don't know. But like what I will say, I've noticed that I have done right is like sometimes what you're talking about, Joe, is like when you're hurt, you're like very closed off. I have sometimes decided not to be closed off to make a really strong point. So like probably if I'm hurt, I'll be like, I'll like separate or something. But then if I decide that like you need to learn a lesson today, it will all come down and people will be deeply, deeply uncomfortable but it's usually impactful. Just hearing everyone has the same where, you know, our hearts on our sleeve, almost like this kind of, you get what you get, but we're quite guarded with how we really feel on the inside. It's almost like, you know, you kind of wear your emotions like your armor and I don't see any self-praise in it at all, but it's kind of, you know, how Lisa was talking about, you know, you see my bodyguard, (laughs) that whole, you get the big happy, you get the big sad, you get the big feelings. They're all kind of visible in our body language or the words we're saying. But for me, being really vulnerable is about that kind of if you actually want to dig deeper under that, then that's something that's really compelling to me. You know, that's something that I'm really attracted to. But we're all saying the same thing with different words. Okay, so getting into the sexual instinct. In the Enneagram, they describe the sexual instinct with the need to capture the interest of the object of your desire. How is this true for you? Joe's already kind of said this. As long as capture means hunt down. (laughs) I was making sure we didn't mean like I'm trying to captivate them and like lure them in, even though part of hunting is luring. It's like that focus of like, I choose you. I have seen people... Across life, I have seen people across the room and I'm like, yep, I'm coming for you. In the future, I we will cross paths and I will get to know you if you want me to. <laughs> Maybe if you don't want me to. <laughs> so that is that amount of focus and the hunt, yeah, the capturing. So if we're, if we're saying capture, like I'm coming for you and I'm going to take you down, but in the most loving way, then yes, I agree. But it does get gross because it can get calculating about how am I going to put myself in your path or how am I going to get to know you. And I'll just be honest too, like I find that I'm at my worst at SX when it comes to men. That being said, it also works with women. Like I'll want intense relationships and I will want to get to know them, but I'll be extra nasty when it comes to men because I would like to get married in their things. Okay. Let's put that out there. So that being said, I have, will be calculating and it is gross. Like I'm going to get to your, I'm going to be your sister's friend. So then that'll put me in your path. This is 20 years ago, all right, girls. So it's not, I've grown. <laughs> That's the strategist in you. Yes. <laughs> I've definitely done that before back in the day. I think um, nowadays it looks like when I'm trying to engage with someone, I like their energy or whatever. 
I'll just like quickly scan through a bunch of different things, see if there's a connection on a topic, if there's something that I can connect with you in. And if it's like kind of like what we were saying earlier, if that's dead space, I'll just keep it moving. That's usually how I try and capture it. I, I know who I want to engage with. I'll go and engage with them and then I'll just like try and find a way in, like try and find a, a point of connection that we can go deep and have some authentic, like some real chat but yeah I think when I was younger and you know in the clubs it was like I'm gonna capture your attention aesthetically that strength find is the word woo I would try and woo people based on what I perceive they're into or whatever there's a lot of like reading people there's a lot of like you know Christians would call it discernment but it's just like I can just read the hell out of most people so then I can find ways in and ways to connect when you say you connect and you go and you start trying to find things to connect about what topics are you using to connect on well I guess I want to know the bones of the person I want to know who you really are I want to know what really makes you tick like I want to talk about something that feels like honest and sincere to me I don't want to spend 10 minutes talking about the weather like I just don't they can care about whatever they care about but if it feels like there's some substance to it and then I'm there for it I laughed because when my parents came to visit we talked about the weather for a whole week and it drove me nuts (laughs) it's like just give me something a little bit more (laughs) better Um, than talking about the news for a week I tend to find with people because I'm just always me and I'm always like this (laughs) that I just tend to attract people that I like me or I'll find people out in public that, you know, have a marvellous pair of shoes or an amazing hairstyle or, you know, rocking some really amazing glasses or doing something really cool at work. And it's usually a conversation about how much I admire or appreciate what they're doing and where that came from for them I'm really enthusiastic about what they're doing and it really speaks to me and this is what I'm passionate about and the conversation is always really easy I just don't ever have an issue with that kind of thing as a kid I mean as a as a teenager I had a number of boys who thought we were dating (laughs) I was like are we (laughs) I didn't realize and my ex-husband always said you know you just seem to have a weird group of people around all the time and I'd say to him hey they're not weird he's like yeah they're all these people into all these like extreme random things it's like yeah because that's really interesting so for me I think it's less of a hunt and I feel more like a peacock it's like I'm glittery and sparkly and it's not intentional showing off it's not a hey come look at me it's just it's just who I am and some people it does it will polarize people and if people are into it they usually have a really interesting story or there's something in them as well that's as attractive and interesting to me my husband calls me the peacock that's funny must be a vibe we give off I don't relate to what you guys are saying about being strategic consciously you guys are like oh we have some this in common and I'm gonna like pull on that we're gonna do this and this and this and I don't do that I think the thing that I'm very good at is telling stories or creating a situation that begs a question you know I'm really good at making the conversation like keep going or like if I know that I have like an interesting thing to say on this topic like I can like make you ask that or something but like I'm not necessarily like manipulating like I want to talk about this I'm doing it sort of like instinctively in the moment where I'm like this is interesting and like let's go here and I can just sort of like get something to go there naturally one of my friends was looking at 
this like other model for like what is your like seduction type and there's like nine or ten different types and they're reading the list and I was like oh I'm the feminine one I'm like the ultra feminine one and they're like fuck no you're not you're the charismatic one (laughs) and then they described it and I was like oh yeah basically yeah that's kind of exactly the vibe where it's just like I just create this energy that's exciting and it's either you're excited about me or I'm excited about you but there's like excitement around definitely the social ass must be the thing there's nothing intentional about any of it so when I'm out in the world Again, in new situations, just roaming around, people come to me. The other day, a man came up to my cafe table and he's like, you're glowing. I was like, literally? He's like, yeah, there's like actually glow around you. And then I turned to like the friend I made behind the counter and I'm like, do I glow? She's like, yeah, I think it's actually a thing, whether it's like visible or something people feel, but there is something that draws people to whatever makes me me. And so I don't usually have to look for it out in the world, but if I'm out in the world, the The one thing that'll make me go towards someone is pain. And I think that might be the four. If someone's crying, if I can see someone's upset, I am pulled towards it. That feels like mine to do. And we talked about that on the podcast with Jess, who's who's social first, and she does not understand. She does not understand that. Why would you do that? But I like feel and by experience know that I belong there a lot of the time. Like I can usually bring something into that situation that makes them feel seen because most people turn away from pain in public. It's uncomfortable. So they don't go towards them. I've seen a woman weeping in the middle of the Starbucks and nobody talked to her. And for me, that's like magnetic pull. I have to go towards it. So I do the same thing, but with a different trait and I do it with insecurity. Yeah. So like, I definitely have a reflex to like poke where people feel insecure Cause I want them to just like, let it go. I can feel either that they're guarded or that they're being fake. And I want them to just like be real. I'm like you, Joe. I can't see that and not engage it. Mario Sakura calls the sexual instinct, the transmitter. Do you guys relate with that? By transmit, it makes me think I'm sending out a signal for someone to receive. And then I'm going to gauge whether they choose me. And I'm more like, I'm choosing you. If I went after every person with the SX target energy that thinks I'm cool, I would have no time. I'm not interested. It has to be that special little like flavor that's like, this is worth. So the transmitting, I take, I just take issue with that. It's like not as specific as I want it to be. I want it to be, I am hunting you, not you are responding to what I'm putting out there. But I'm sure I do. I do that because it's not naturally eight for us to be charismatic, to, for us to be the, the attention, for us to be the energy. He says like our instinct is an instinct. So we're giving off something. And I think we've already established we literally do that based on the way people respond to us. There's something we're giving off that is attracting some people and repelling other people, but I'm not sure we're aware of it. Have you noticed that some people are pulled towards you and other people are totally repelled? I don't think transmit is the right word. It seems transactional. Where well, I feel it like seems this- like it has an end point. And I think that actually it's just like a radial thing, right? Like it's not going anywhere. You know what I'm saying? It's not like a phone call. It's like I, a light bulb. I feel it like for me, I think somebody, one of you said it's more like impact. For me, it's like the desire to want to leave something significant after me was stronger for me in wanting to be a parent than nurturing. <laughs> I'm not a nurturing kind of parent, which you know can be really sucky at times. But the people that come across my path and the people that you know I hope to 
come across or the people that I connect with hope to actually kind of leave that positive impact or something with them that's significant. So for me, it's more about significance. I don't think it's it's a transmittable thing. I think it's it's like an impact when you're with someone, something kind of rubs off for me anyway. Yeah, I guess I feel it more like I have a presence and energy and that people are aware of it. And if it's too intense for some people, I feel they shut down. Or those people that are like energy leeches, they like want to come to then take my energy, but there's not really, there's nothing reciprocal about it. Or those people that match your energy and you're like, yes, game time. From when I read the word, that was kind of like what I initially thought. Yeah, I was just picturing a cell tower and a cell tower creates a catchment area, but it's not like it has an end point per se. It's just it creates an atmosphere and then some people pick up the signal. So I do think we all do that, you know, like some people want it and some don't. And then we turn our attention as we see fit. Yes, I'm down with what you just said. So yeah, I'm so completely clueless that I am transmitting that now I see I am transmitting. <laughs> There's a bunch of people in the world transmitting things as well. And we're either going to go for it or be repelled by it. I've experienced that. All right, continuing on. So there's three ways that you meet your instinctual need. So there's arousal and repulsion. So how you relate to the hunt or the compulsion to go after the deeper connection, like the hook Joe will talk about sometimes in our podcast episodes. Transformation. So they want to impact or imprint on others as well as be impacted or imprinted by others. And then the chemistry. So describing, maybe you can describe your relationship to the energy and the vibe and the need to be hooked by something to stay interested. So some of this we've already talked about, but you can just add in what you want to say. So how you meet that need and if you have examples of that. I find that it either happens completely on accident, like it's just part of how I'm interacting that I turn around and I've discovered that I really mean a lot to this person and I know how they tick and I know what they're probably even thinking. And maybe maybe I feel the same, maybe I feel seen. Probably not most of the time though. There was one, I don't remember what episode it was, but there was it was a man and he was an eight, obviously talking about the deep, deep desire to just like meet that person or or group of people that is fulfilling to that deep need to be known and to know. I find that um, that drive to be very evident most of how I approach the world <laughs> and that everyone sees the eight as strong and strength and vivacious and so fantastic. But then there's this deep, like needy wanting to be seen and to be known. And that drives me to make people want to know me and I want to know them. So for arousal and repulsion, I don't even know if I'm repulsed, but people are repulsed by me. It doesn't like register. I'm just like, whatever, I keep it moving. I have enough people that are interested. Definitely the hunt is like, I wish that I could give it a rest. I want to come to a place of health where it isn't a driving factor. And I turn into like a, I don't even know, I want to say like a wild boar (laughs) where you're just like any connection. Can I have it please from, but only specific people. The transformation piece, I would say this is beyond getting people to be interested and hunting them down and that whole process. This also is a, is humongous for me. I am usually measuring, am I transforming you or are you transforming me? Am I having an impact on you? Am I invited to the family things? Am I invited when you're in pain? Am I invited when you're happy? Am I invited when there's something new to do? I'm not threatened if there's other people who they also invite in, but am I also, am I in? 
where it gets disgusting is when, where I'm measuring those things. And it kind of leaves that person that I'm measuring out in the cold because it's just like a, an, an expectation that I'm holding over their head that, well, you invited me to this event. Why am I not invited to this? This is so gross, girls. I'm so sorry. No, I just want to say I love your honesty. It's just okay. raw honesty and I love it. I'm trying not to be too nasty, but I'm also <laughs> in, the, in the middle of an SX Target breakup. So it is a little raw. I have a hard time inviting someone to something that's a yearly event that I know will come around another a year later. Because what if I invite them this year and then next year, they're not in my life anymore. And then next year, I'm going to have to deal with them not. And what happened and why is this happening to me? And what did I do to put, push this person away? I'm constantly measuring those types of things down to the nitty gritty of, as this person told me about X, Y, and Z. And I'm measuring the relationship. And I'm sure that's no fun to be on the other end of and has pushed people away. But ideally, yes, I want to impact. I want to impact for good. I want to impact for the, the good things in the world. And I want to be changed and transformed by the good as well. Chemistry, there's a vibe. Absolutely. It has to be bigger than me. So if you're smaller than me in the vibe department, I'll get to know you. I'm sure I might even like you and we might have a great long lasting lifetime friendship, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to notice you right off the bat. And those type of relationships tend to be SX on accident, like five years down the road, I turn around and, oh, this, I know this person in a deep way. It wasn't on purpose. It's almost a better way to approach it because it's not so angsty and full of like want and hunt. Across life, I've had so many intense relationships that were just like a flash bomb almost that it's like I meet up with these people at the perfect moment when we have this intense connection. It lasts for as long as it's going to last and it goes away and I have no hard feelings. And I feel like I take a little piece of them with me and I learn how to be better or I learn how to see things differently. I have loved that because I think part of what we give to the world is I want to know you, I want to see you, and I will make space for you, even if you are intense, even if you have big feelings that everyone else shies away from, I will make space for that. It doesn't scare me. You can be you. And that has fostered those types of flash relationships and also relationships that have stood the test of time. Yeah, I think the arousal repulsion thing, I know I feel that straight away. I know I can feel like really repulsed by someone and it's very intense when I feel that. And I can feel that if I if I think you're like arrogant or insincere or anything, I'm just like, nope, next. But I don't know if people feel that about me. Probably don't really pay much attention, to be honest. And then I agree wanting the transformation. I think for me, it has to do with, I've always lived my life with this sort of urgency, like everything I have to do has to like matter. I hate wasting time, but like I'm wholehearted with whatever I do. So that's, that's in my relationships too, right? So I want it to be impactful for both of us. I want you to grow more than anything, even if that means facing hard things. I'll be there with you for it. I'll face hard things. Like I just want it to be forward moving. Like I want to be building. Yeah. And I think I'm naturally impactful because that's my posture towards everything. I think with the hunting language, I, don't, I relate less because I think more of it for me is just I maybe have done that in my life. Like, yes, I want to be friends with you and I'm going to go after it. But I think a lot of it's just more people come to me. I'm like pretty easy. I'll talk to anybody and I find people really interesting. They don't need to be something crazy. I can chill with just about anyone. And, and I like finding the beauty in people. I like finding what makes people tick, even if they're like boring and or I don't care really. I like my brothers were really different people from me. They're not people I 
necessarily chose, right? They're the personalities that I'm like with and digging into every single day. So I think um, chemistry once upon a time was a big, big one, but like less so now, you know, because it's more just like I'm learning how to untangle the little mysterious human beings around me. I think I would answer all these questions really differently 10 years ago. And I sound like I'm like 55 years old or something. I'm not. I'm just in such a unique stage of life for me. That's all consuming that it just I'm giving different answers. But yeah. I really like that you said it's different over time because I think there's different parts of my eightness which came out when I had, you know, young kids. And now that my kids, you know, the majority of my kids are older and I feel a bit more freer, they're not so dependent on me. There's different parts of that. I don't think chemistry is the right word, but there's different parts of I'm able to be more myself because I'm not attending to them or guiding them through something. So I think it does, it changes through as we change in lifestyle or our circumstances or where we are with people. I've talked a little bit about imprint and impact for me. So I think the thing I, I want to share is a little bit about that kind of chemistry and energy. I have a really close friend who was into something that I thought was really cool and I kind of joined her on it. And after she had a really rough time over the last couple of years and she's had to be quite insular and quite um, self-focused and family kind of, her family have had to come first for a while. And that energy from her and that passion from her, that little spark is kind of gone. So even when I go and do that thing with her that we both love, I find it really flat (laughs) and I'm not getting that same vibe from her anymore. So that fun thing that we used to do kind of really doesn't feel like fun for me anymore so a bit like Katie it's like that radar thing you know it's like I'm attracted to that energy as well but if that energy is not coming back then I'm not I'm not feeling it and that I find that really hard it makes me feel really immature as a friend because it's like you're interesting and you're important to me and you're special but your energy is like really pumping me out <laughs> And for me, if I'm giving you all of my energy and I'm always, you know, passionate about what you're doing and I'm trying to encourage you to invest in yourself and be the best person of yourself and stuff, and it's like, if you're not feeling that for yourself, it's like, I can't keep doing it for you. <laughs> but that's that's changed as, as I've, I don't have the little, you know, I don't have the little people to kind of concentrate on or invest into. And I think that chemistry for me... I don't know if the word is chemistry, it's more interest or like a puzzle or a solution or a problem. I I don't know. I don't know. A lot of this language sounds really harsh and intentional. And I think for me, a lot of it just comes automatically, naturally. And I don't even think about it. Like, you know, walking into a room, I don't stand there and go, oh, who do I want to talk to? It just naturally happens. None of it feels intentionally manipulative. It's just like a magnet. (laughs) Well, and I think that is the thing about instincts, right? Your primary instinct is unintentional. It's just, it happens by default. You don't even know you're doing the things you're doing. Oh yeah. And I think having that social next means it's really easy to slip into if there's not that energy and there's not that vibe or there's not something there that's holding your attention. You can fill that space, but not for a long time. So like Katie said, you know, I can be your friend and I'm interested in lots of different people. People always, I'm I'm always interested in people, but I might not be your best friend forever. (laughs) Yeah. So I relate real, real hard with the transformative bit. So I'm a teacher. (laughs) 
but I'm aiming to be a professor really. So like, and I want to teach college students because they're at the time of their life where they're finding themselves, you know, like separate from their parents and like who they actually are. And so like I teach fluid mechanics and I tell them, I'm like, I don't, I don't give a shit if you like fluid mechanics after this, honestly, you might never learn it or use it. You're going to learn it because I'm a good teacher, but I don't really care. I care that you learn a problem solving skill and that like you can take whatever in from this class and use it for what makes you happy. I like fluids. So that's the application that I'm using to teach these skills that I actually care about. And so like everything I do is basically is basically that. I think that's why like Joe with the sad people, I poke insecure people. Like I just want to push people to be more genuinely themselves and sort of like find those like barriers that they have and just and now like I'm altering my career path a little bit because I have identified that like academia is kind of fucked and so now I've made it my new goal to like transform the way that we teach grad students and like how we give out PhDs and and why we're doing it the way that we're doing it and so like I'm just always asking difficult questions that people don't want to hear you know and like that's just kind of my MO so I like it in people I like it in systems that's just kind of how I roll and honestly like as you guys are talking about this like the hunt thing I get it like I totally get it the hunt I like know what you mean I feel the experience but it's boring to me (laughs) to me I only do that at like a party where I'm like I don't know these people or at a conference where I'm just like there's thousands of people here I don't know them I don't really have like a specific agenda then I'll sort of like fill my time with the hunt kind of thing but otherwise like I have very much a mission and it's very much transformative with age you relate less to that hunter quality because I am settled like I know who I I am, I have accumulated enough energetically fulfilling friendships and relationships that I frankly, I don't have a lot of room for more. The hunt comes where I am thrust into a social situation I don't like, like I don't want to be in a group and I have to bear it. So to bear it, I'll pull out the hunting skills to find the interesting person. It's like a party trick. Yeah. (laughs) Party game. (laughs) I make it sound more bitchy than it is because if you're in front of me and I find you boring I don't think you'll know I I think I'm pretty good at holding space for you and you know letting you be your boring self (laughs) and then I'll extricate the primary thing I relate to with this instinct is the um, impact and that is compounded by my tri-type which is the messenger tri-type and compounded by the fact that I have a prophetic gift, which means I get downloads about people, about who they really are and like oh, what like they were making. Almost instantly. I can't choose when I get it and when I don't, but all of it combines to me being deeply fueled by wanting people to really see what they were made for in the world and to try and like, it's like I'm breathing it into them with my words. And that's impactful. They're changed. I hear from people years later, and I I didn't know it impacted them the way I had. I'm not aware of the impact I have until later. But after 40 years of life, I think I get that I am someone that impacts people. And when I find out that I do, it's my favorite thing to hear. You guys all know I've been single for a couple of years now. And look, for me, that separation, that tearing apart of that Essex bond, that kind of, you know, that real intimate connection, I felt it was so intense for me. And now I 
before the separation, I knew that I didn't have that right connection. It wasn't there. I still felt really lonely in my relationship. And that's one of the things that I've found really, people just don't seem to get this energy that we sort of give off. It's great, but sometimes it's really lonely being the person who has all of the energy. And it's this deep, deep longing, you know, for to want someone who can actually meet you in your energy and can actually sit there and hold not just you, but they can match that energy back. And I find that sometimes it can feel so deeply lonely and scary dating because I am all of this and it's so intense and that desire to connect can be so intense. It's like, hang on, I have to get out of my own way first. So yeah, my question is, anybody actually (laughs) feel that lonely or is it just because it's so probably maybe still so new or is that just like, that's just our instinct, it's just our longing With my nine husband, it's not my husband that meets that for me. It's actually friendship, but Mm -hmm. it is lonely. And I wonder if that's our four, which in its very nature is a lonely number. I don't have four, but I like feel like I relate to what you said, like dating, right? There's this like thing where it's almost like people are just like captivated by you or they want you to be like their spark of curiosity or their spark of excitement or their da 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 and I'm so fucking over it. <laughs> and guys all the time are just like, oh, like, let's get lunch. I'm like, no, like, you have to bring me something interesting or I'm just like not participating in this. Like, I'm not just going to be your inspiration for a new idea or like the most interesting thing that happened to you this month. Like, I just don't care. That's a lot of people that are just wanting you to be their thing. And like, they don't really have that much to put on the table. And so like, I totally relate to what you're saying, especially with dating. I don't think it's just a relational thing. But I did find that in my last relationship, it was eight years long. I was the relationship. I was the fun and I was the adventure and I was the dreams. And I kind of look back at it now and go, oh, yeah, I did that. (laughs) You know, it's kind of having to step out of my own way and make room for someone else to bring it. Yeah. Some people do bring it. So like, if that's what you want, you just have to be really conscious of looking for that. And like, don't get distracted by this like role that we're also used to playing of being the like bringer of the thing. Every SX8 I've ever spoken to does say that it is few and far between to find that energy and to have it stay in your life. I don't think many of us have more than a handful. And I would say that in all the SX we've talked to, there is a discussion at some point or them coming to the table with the feeling of loneliness at some point, for sure. To me, it's the bit that's like the most vulnerable, right? Like if you're actually letting someone see that that's your heart's desire. (laughs) That's the bit that's most vulnerable. I relate to the loneliness. I've never been married. And for the longest time, I thought that a marriage would solve that SX desire. It will not. I think it's the quiet ones. Like I I should have probably paid more attention to the quiet ones in college. Thought it was cute. But instead I liked the big, you know, the big ones that were, you know, full of energy and bigger than me. Sometimes it feels like I'm almost I'm being like pimped out for my emotional connection and they get a hit and they get what they need and then they move on to the next thing. And I think our nature can drive us into the ground when it comes to the loneliness. I don't think there's anything on this earth that's going to satisfy us. That's where my faith comes in, where I'm like, there is no one thing that will fully fulfill me. Um, I feel the pain of it daily, but I know that I believe there's a God of the universe who wants to know me, who died for me. And sometimes as people are really, really shitty, yes, but that doesn't change who he is. I know who he is. So that's what I've been trying to teach myself. I didn't mean to start preaching. 
but I don't think we're ever going to be fulfilled. Uh, but, but tell me if I'm wrong. Is, does anyone else feel fulfilled? I feel fulfilled. I think you're wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be like a tenure track professor and like still have the life that I want. And like to have like an emotionally fulfilling life and like the transformative career that I want and have the impact that I want. I need multiple people helping me run this ship. This load has to be distributed so that I can do my thing. I think I feel a ton of fulfillment where I'm at. I feel like the most secure. My life is not on the trajectory I thought it was going to be on. I married someone who was self-prez, which I had zero of. But what it's done has brought in balance to me and created a life that's far more fulfilling than I would have if I was just chasing, 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 chasing all the time, not actually looking at the people beside me, not actually slowing down and checking in. I've learned so many more skills by being with someone who doesn't possess the same qualities that I do. He's self-prez. I'm like, I don't have any of it. So to be with him has enabled me to be more of a fuller person. And I feel massively fulfilled in motherhood, massively fulfilled in motherhood. I feel like I'm doing what I was created to do from like childbirth on, almost dying, touching death to bring new life and then to nurture it and to have my heart living physically outside of my body, learning how to be vulnerable. I've done all that to a deeper level because of motherhood. And the fact that it's not self-seeking, the fact that it's not me getting all my goals and chasing, chasing, chasing after all my dreams, it's me stopping. It's all very like counterintuitive, but the fulfillment comes in those moments. I think there's this idealism and there's this perfection of like how we'll feel and this heavenly experience like that we're always like just biding our time until we get to there is so much richness day to day that we can experience just through like simple practices like gratitude those things have kind of set me free a bit and I found more fulfillment in that I'm glad that my home base actually is not a fiery energetic vortex (laughs) but I didn't I didn't always feel that way I think when I was younger and coming off the hunt Kateria Elderly check where I was like oh okay This is what I signed up for. And then I realized it actually has been really important for me to have a home base that is calm waters in a lot of ways and like a um, neutralizing effect so I can rest. And then I, I leave the nest and I go out into the world and I catch things on fire. And then again, I have those few key friendships that do have that SX energy, but I get to leave the home, leave my home, go tap into that, get caught in the swirl of it, eat it up get all fueled up and then go home and rest. <laughs> it works for me. I've been in relationships that have the same vibe and um, it was fun, but it burned me out in a lot of ways and like definitely increased my like lusty qualities, which like I said, was fun, but it almost burned me right out. Grateful for the calmer waters at home. I feel like actually I like totally get what you're saying because both my relationships are long distance and I love it <laughs> because like, I live by myself and it's peaceful here and nobody messes with me. And then I get to like leave or invite them in. And then I have like those moments, but like, yeah, my base is very much like just my space. Like imagine living with fire, two fires. Yikes. Yeah, it doesn't work. (laughs) Doesn't work. (laughs) Burn the world down. Yeah. And you end up with kids who are like double dose stubborn (laughs) and they're fiery as well. All right, so we'll get on to talking about our middle instinct and our last instinct. So the middle instinct we um, refer to sometimes as the play zone. It is the instinct that you can tap into. And usually you have to be intentional about it, but it's easy. 
It's like, oh, I can turn that on or I can turn that off. And then your blind spot is the one that you really don't access at all and is very difficult to access. So talk a little bit about what that looks like for you. For my social, I can easily hop in and out of that, especially at work. My job right now is I'm more just to myself, but historically I've been in charge of things and have to get groups moving and get people organized. I tend to be the person that they bring in to clean up the mess that someone else made. And a lot of that is like just rallying the troops and getting them energized and motivated to get the job done. I can do it. In my personal life too, I think I'll be the life of the party or I'll be talking to you in a corner about your deepest of the secrets. It just depends. I think I was more social when I was younger, but as I've gotten older, I've kind of just settled into, I like intense things. So I'm just going to keep going with that. When I'm in a group, I'm not necessarily like managing the whole room. I get like that secondhand um, embarrassment when someone's making a fool out of themselves and I want to manage it for them. I'm in tune with who's listening and who's not, or who is feeling left out or who's not. But I think when I'm motivating a group, I do it by, I have asked you all of my SX questions and now I understand like who you really are. So I'm going to get you to, in the right place and I'm going to get you doing exactly what you love to do. And I'm going to get the most productivity out of you that I can. And then my last instinct would be self-preservation. I actively put myself at risk to see what I can take. A quick example would be, I think that this SX target is worth my time, even though that their actions are telling me, pump the brakes, pump the brakes. I know better. So I'm going to continue to put myself at risk, invest my time and my heart and my everything in you, but you're showing me something different, but I know better. So I, that's just pure stupidity. It's probably a bit of dysfunction too. <laughs> and I've had some of my closest friends tell me that my pain meter is broken. So again, that same relationship was like death by a million cuts over four years, but somehow... I was not feeling the pain that I'm sure denial is in there. I will just put my head down and push through, stick to what I said I was going to do. I'm going to honor what I said I was going to do. I'm going to honor what we said we were going to do and not seeing that this is just completely dying around me. As far as my body goes, I couldn't even tell you half of what's going on. <laughs> and I treat it like a trash can. I'm trying to be better, but I like will just discover that I had these things my whole life that have always happened health-wise and I just live with it and I have just learned that it's not stuff that you're just supposed to live with. I also have been called the boundary queen, which is kind of goes hand in hand with self-preservation, but I don't think I do it out of like preserve myself. I think I do it out of like the pure justice of what you're doing is wrong. So you are, this is, you're done. But I like to empower that boundary stuff with people because I feel like people usually don't have their boundaries. So when I was listening to that podcast that you were interviewing Jess, she's SO, yeah? And she was talking about that gym scenario. The guy ended up crying. And you, Erin, was like, I'd just take him a coffee. I was like, what? <laughs> that was the most foreign concept to me. Like, you'd just be like, well, I'm all right. Thinking of you. If I'm going to engage someone, it's going to be like, as we've already talked about. But that was funny because I think there's some things you say as the SL. I'm like, oh, yeah, for sure see that. I'm not tunnel vision to what I can, like, feel the atmosphere in the room. That's usually what I'm reacting to. If something feels tense, I'm usually like, hey, anyone want a glass of wine? <laughs> like I'm trying to make everybody have a good time. And like, I'm aware of the sadness or I'm aware of people in a space that need something for sure. But again, I think a lot of the SO is some of my too. 
coming out. If you're in my circle, I really give a shit. And I'm like paying attention to my little niece's feelings at her sister's birthday. And I'm like thinking ahead and making sure I get something that's going to be really special for her. Or I'm way more SO and two. They kind of seem connected for me. Self-preservation, dumb, like we've talked about. That for me was just like traveling all over the world with no money, getting into dangerous places all the time, thinking it was all just a big joke and so funny and no limits with anything ever. Not thinking the one thing that came up about the ace talked about feeling invincible. That was really the drive of me not having any SP. Like I didn't think any harm could come to me. And then it did. Bad things happened. And then I was like, oh, shit, I'm not invincible. Oh, shit, I need to learn how to find safety. I can't always be the bear that scares off all danger. Like, you know, things are going to get me. And so there has come an appreciation for SP. And then being married to someone who's a 6'5 SP, like all the SP traits you could possibly imagine is personified in my man. And then I'm a mum. So like it draws on this self-preservation that you've never really drawn on before, like with little kids too, like. I don't play with nap times, so I'm going to be self-present boundary in a space that I would never have been before. Do you know, I'd have been like, oh, yeah, stay for five hours if you want. <laughs> Take whatever you want. You like my coat? Have it. Like, I'm not like that anymore. The season of my life is a unique little bubble in time, and it's drawing out different traits. So I feel a bit more tuned into SP than I ever have before. Thinking about this whole SO thing, and it is really easy for me thought back to kind of high school and it gave me the ability to kind of move between the different kind of friend groups and I was always the girl that could talk to the guys and hang out with the guys and that made the other girls jealous and the whole clique thing never really occurred to me I just didn't even see it and I just would go kind of from I guess it's like little group to group wherever I felt the energy and somehow I ended up as like the head girl and I was just like, well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I've always been in that kind of leadership role. It's always defaulted to me in my career as well. It's not my preference to lead people or to be the person that gets on and gets stuff done, but it's just that energy that I bring and that I don't see. Maybe it's you don't see the problems or because you can see through the bullshit really quick. For me, the ESO just seems to be a really easy transition. The self-praise thing, oh my God, <laughs> I'm learning so much from hearing about self-praise aids and I'm like, oh, I'm really struggling. But I've learned to have, I have to stop and look after myself. I have zero self-praise. Jerome LeBay was talking about, you know, eights and like a race car that goes around the track and I'm totally Lightning McQueen with like, no, I don't need to stop. <laughs> It's not till I have, you know, the tire blowout and it's like, oh yeah, maybe I should have stopped. And the same with the whole pain thing. Pain just doesn't factor. You know, a week after I had a hysterectomy, I was up driving and carting a kid around and being a full-time parent. Someone had to actually physically sit me down and say, you know, unless you want to be back in hospital, you have to stop. <laughs> I don't know whether it's just that detachment thing from whatever we were wounded with as children or it's just that constant energizer bunny thing friends call me the olympic torch i just never go out somewhere as i'm approaching you know that whole midlife thing it's like that self-press has to come in somewhere and it's like okay so what does that look like 
And I don't want to be hit, you know, with burnout or a huge health crisis. I think I've kind of done down to that stuff, but it's never really been a priority for me. I've always felt, and it feels terrible and I feel like I have to eat my words, but it's like a lot of the self-praise stuff has really turned me off some people because it feels to me so selfish. It's like I have this energy and it's like, you know, you're here to share it with the world and, and to make sure that everyone feels seen and empowered and alive and, you know, living their best life. Why would you want to hold that to yourself? So, yeah, I've got lots to learn. I've always struggled with self-praise to being selfish in my eyes. And now I want it so bad. I want their skills. <laughs> I was big, very conflicted about which is like second and third in my stocking because I also have a tendency to do the thing where I like just go really hard forever and like don't sleep and I don't really need to sleep, you know, like, yeah, I could just like blow past a lot of like physical pain or whatever. The other reason I was confused is because I do understand group dynamics, but it's not intuitive. So like the thing, because Aaron, you've talked about group dynamics a lot and I'm like, oh yeah, I do that. I totally know what you're saying, but I do it from like an analytical stance where I'm like, if I want to be head girl, like I wasn't head girl, but I was like homecoming queen at my college. And I just knew how to do that. Like I knew how to navigate the group dynamics of my whole campus community to be that, right? And so I think that sometimes it's like the 852 in me where I'm like a strategist and like, I teach a class of like 50 students and I know that to do it well, you have to manage the group dynamics. And so like, I'm actually pretty good at it but it's from like a really analytical place, not an instinctual place. That's why that ends up being sort of firmly third. But the way that I do SP, I think second, as I'm very intuitively aware of power dynamics. So like, I think I very seamlessly navigate making sure that I'm in a, not necessarily a position of power, but that no one is in a position of power over me. And so like, I think maybe that's like where the self-prize thing is like at all. No one can be in charge of you or people that you trust and, you know, you feel secure and comfortable with and admire. Yes. You'll give them authority. Yeah. No, nobody has authority. over (laughs) (laughs) Man. I mean, that's the reason that this like PhD thing has like really bothered me is because I don't know what you guys know about it, but if you get a PhD, you have an advisor and that one singular person has control of your whole future, basically. And I ended up having a really abusive advisor and navigating that was like wildly detrimental to me. And I have like PTSD now. And that's why this like mission of like fixing the system is so important to me. You know, outside of being forced to be in that position, that like really vulnerable position, because that's like how this system exists. Yeah, I have like a pretty intuitive sense of power dynamics. And like, I can feel if you're trying to have power over me, or if you're not. And like people that I trust that are close to me aren't trying to have power over me. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, I trust them. And I'll be like, where should we go? to? Like, I let them make decisions. But it's not because they have power over me. I'm very, very aware of that. I know how to navigate it. Able to like always have agency is certainly like the number one self-preservation skill that I have. How about social last for you? I just think I don't care. You know, I just (laughs) like, I can care if I know that it's important. I don't want people to dislike me, you know, but like, I don't, I'm not concerned about the group unless I need something from the group. Like if I'm trying to like get 
a group of people energized to like do this project or like, but then I'm strategizing about it. Like at a party, if people are uncomfortable, I'm here for it. I'm like, let's fucking sit here and I'm going to watch people squirm. You know, like I'm just so unbothered. Like, I just don't pay attention to it. Like naturally, like if I'm vibing, I'm just not paying attention. Like I have to think about it to pay attention to it. Yeah, my relationship with self-pres is there is a negative side is true. And I wish it wasn't true, which is that I definitely am self folk like self-oriented. So I always think of the, you know, the oxygen mask that drops down in a plane. And like, I will for sure take what I need first before I turn to the next person. The downside is the selfish quality that I don't like. I have to fight it sometimes. But the good bits are that I am so intuitive about what I need. Like, I don't relate to people who say they don't really get what they, they don't understand their needs. I know my needs to the finest detail. I know every nuance of what I need. I know when I need it. I know how much I need it. And that includes like for my body, it includes for sleep. Um, and I'm really good at saying yes or no, like boundary wise. I don't find it angsty at all. I'm really comfortable saying, nope, I'm going to stay until 10 and then I'm going to bed. But I'm also equally able to say like, I'm going to stay up till two tonight, like whatever. I'm not afraid to not get enough sleep, but I also do kind of what I want to do. Like having self-press second, there is a sense of, no, I just don't want to. And I'm okay with that, you know? So I don't have to, I don't feel like I must fulfill certain needs and whatnot. I just do it if I want to and don't if I don't. So I think you're highlighting a really good point there between the having social second and self-press last or second, because I do know what I need. I think as an eight, I know what I need. Do you think you, the rest of you on here, do you think you know what you need? Oh yeah. (laughs) I know what I need. I just don't do it. I don't find time for it. I find something else that takes my interest. I know what I need. I just never choose to do that. It's always the last thing I'm going to choose. Whereas for you, you have that option to jump into that and choose it. And it's easy for you to choose it. I would give anything for that. (laughs) It's handy. My body's never really out for the count unless something tragic happens. (laughs) Yeah. And I can like, I can put up boundaries in relationships. Like I can say, this is not going any further. I'm not saying it's like fun, but I just, I won't stay too long. Mostly I'll go if I need to go. Mostly my SX is first. So there is like a limit to that, but, um, on the whole, I think I can walk away easier than maybe somebody else. Having social last, like I, I, I don't need to say much because I've spoken so much on podcasts about it. But yeah, it's uh, like Bonnie said, it's like really having a hard time understanding why it matters, like really not being that interested in it. And the reality is like, I don't see that changing and I don't think it has to. I don't think I need to develop a desire to understand group dynamics. I don't need to do that. I do need to be really grateful for Aaron. And I do need to be really aware that the reason why groups can be mobilized and head in certain directions is in part due to people that have that skill. So just to be grateful, I just didn't know that was a thing. You know, I didn't really get that there were people who had that as a gift. And frankly, it helps me care less that I need it. I'm not worried if there are people like you in the world, I don't need to do it. And that sounds good to me. I for sure know what I need, but it's like way down here on the priority list, like, because I can handle it well, whatever. If I don't get sleep, I'll be all right. But I think with emotional, I can be very articulate and sound like I really know what I need and sound really confident on what's wrong, how this is going to get fixed or whatever. And then realize that there's so much denial at play of like, I'm unaffected. 
there's like this lie I've told myself forever that doesn't really bother me though now I'm able to, to perceive that because I can feel the energy go from like mm, and I could get cold and guarded and I know something's actually wrong but I've come across like I really know what I need even when I don't know what I need because emotionally I haven't been that tuned in so I sound like I know what I need but either it's not a priority or I actually don't know what I need I can name what I need I can sound like I have it together I have the priorities straight and I am not interacting with what I'm saying like I am not feeling what I'm saying to you I'm saying I know that I should be feeling this so I'm telling you I'm feeling it but when I'm alone with myself, I cannot muster up anything but anger. I don't know. I just feel I, I'm trying to learn what I need better. They're a mystery to me. But I could tell you what they are, but I don't know how to create the inertia in myself to make them a priority or am I interacting with them at all? I'm not sure. I've had somebody around for a little while now and them observing me from the outside and going, hey, I think you need to eat now or hey, I think we need to stop now has been quite interesting for me. It's that whole trust and give and take it's like hey actually you don't know me well enough I'm fine I'll just keep going they're like no actually I think you need to eat it's taken a lot for me for someone else to have that agency over me that says hey you need to put some breaks on here or hey you need to pay yourself a little bit of attention here and for me it's stuff that maybe I haven't recognized in the past or haven't maybe trusted myself enough in the past having you know having that self-praise last having someone else say hey has actually been quite eye-opening. I have a question for Bonnie compared to the rest of you. Are you, Bonnie, would you say like fairly okay with just saying like, hey, I need this and asking for it? And then also, are you willing to receive? Because Aaron can't do any of those things. <laughs> or is it an us thing? Yeah, I can definitely ask for what I need. And I'm even willing to do it from like a very vulnerable space where I'm like... <laughs> I feel really insecure and I need you to affirm me, but I need you to do it in a way that it seems sincere. <laughs> is it just because I asked? So I'm like, don't do it now, but do it next time this happens. And I don't feel bad about it. And like, the thing that I'm not relating to is you guys being like, that feels selfish. To me, it just seems reasonable. Like if I didn't do that, things would get fucked up. Like things would just like spiral out of control. And if I don't, if I don't just solve this problem now, then it's going to be like inefficient in some way. I don't really relate to it feeling selfish because it's not like I'm prioritizing myself over anyone else. It's just that I'm like, for me to keep engaging in this, I need this right now. I will ask, but only if I really trust you. Like I'll be vulnerable and I'll ask you for something. If I don't think you have capacity to deliver, I won't even ask. If you turn around and say to me, oh no, I'm busy. Or, you know, if you reject me for me, that's huge hurt. So I think I've just learned to just get on and either ignore the stuff or not need it because I have maybe been let down in the past. So I, I just won't ask again. I feel that way. Exactly. It's massively vulnerable for me to ask, but I will ask. But then if you disappoint me or let me down in that moment, I'm like, see, like I have a big reaction <laughs> internally. I'm like the fucking the world sucks. I'll never ask you for help again. I'm like, whoa, someone like could take care of your kid for five minutes. It's not the end of the world. But for me, that feels really vulnerable to ask for help. So if you don't show up when I'm asking, that's massive help for me too. I feel like I very rarely ask for something from someone that isn't going to deliver. Like I kind of know if it's going to work out or not. You know, I don't know what that means. 
that's where Joe would be like, you're really guarded. No, I think <laughs> Joe does the same thing. I think Joe knows exactly who she can ask and who she doesn't. You also do, right, Joe? You're just really good at asking first. I do this ridiculous thing where I frame it in such a way that I'm like, and I don't really care if you say no. Like, I'll even word it in such a way that's like, yeah, kind of already assuming there might be a potential for a rejection and I'll make sure that I create a loophole in what I'm saying. Someone called me on that once. Yeah, it's true, I do that. It's been really lovely to hear people saying the same things in different language or through a different bodily experience. <laughs> That's it for today. We hope by now you've realized there's a lot more going on under the surface. And you'll continue to follow along as we take you inside the armor. <laughs>